passionate, proven, results-oriented, and growth-minded. Those are just a couple of the words I took away from my conversation with Josh Wilner of Google. Josh is an experienced marketer that has worked with companies from startups to established Fortune 500 companies. Being a part of one of the behemoths, Google, Josh has the experience and foresight to understand where the puck is going with regards to marketing. Google isn't just about search and AdWords, but also has a major bet on video with their ownership in YouTube. Josh has experience getting prospects and clients to interact with brands and execute on the goals of the brands. This is the type of experience and foresight that we all need in order to stay ahead of the curve and ensure we grow by attracting the right people. This is Bridging the Gap with your host, Matt Reiner. So Josh, tell me, uh, I we worked with you here in Atlanta, and I knew a lot about you, but there's one thing I didn't know. I didn't know you were in a a cover band. Was it was it Aerosmith, Grateful Dead, Dave Matthews, John Mayer? What was it? We did, you know, we did a little bit of everything. We went around and did the fraternity and sorority circuit. So it was really up to the audience as as marketing is. We like to cater to our audience in the best way possible. So we did everything from classic rock, Leonard Skinner, uh, John Mayer. The, we really covered the spectrum. <laughs> okay. Were you the uh, the voice, the looks, or the guitar? What were you in the band? Mainly the looks and the guitar front man. Okay. Uh, All right. I played guitar for <laughs> a, a good bit of time, so I, I dabbled a little bit. That's good. And, and, and you also have um, your first job. Let's just talk about that for a second. That was a long tenure, a long tenure at your first job. I'm sure they were really happy with that one. Yeah. So uh, long story short there, I graduated uh, graduate school and I took a job uh, in Atlanta. That's what brought me there originally uh, at a pretty major Fortune 100 company. Um, I always knew that digital marketing was my passion. Uh, it was something that I'd been really passionate about really from day one uh, and what I wanted my career to be driven by. And I started and I was like, yeah, you know, this experience really wasn't, um, it was sold to me in a different way than it was. And as you well know, life is too short to be pursuing things you don't love. So yeah, two, about two and a half, three months in, I made the decision to, to leave that position. And that's what brought me ultimately to Atlanta. And that's what made you one of my ex-clients uh, on the HC side. So <laughs> and, you, you better be blessed that that happened. I, hey, everything happens for a reason. And and the ability of you to leave the job after three months really is an HR manager's dream. They love that. I mean, <laughs> just go back out and make another hire, right? That's, the, yes, that's exactly. what they love to do. Um, well, let's get into this because Google is the behemoth in digital marketing, right? I mean, they are the best, the, the the brand that we all know. And being inside the Googleplex is a really cool thing. And you see a lot of stuff. And I think that can help advisors be better uh, at attracting the right people and then also communicating with their clients better. And so I, I want to start with a, a simple question. What are advisors missing out on by not utilizing the technology solutions that are provided to businesses by Google? Yeah, uh, I'd love to start there. And I, I would like to firstly say, of course, the opinions that I discuss today are exclusively my own. They're not 
of my broader company to get the legal out of the way. And, and um, we're going to throw that on the screen for the video perfect. recording right before. <laughs> Listen, I think nowadays, from a marketing perspective, there are so many self-service tools that Google offers um, for people really within all verticals, but in particular, financial advisors who are looking to be scrappy and to get their presence um, just known more broadly in the marketplace. Um, you know, at a very fundamental level, search is kind of the mainstay that has been around for, God, years and years. Um, there's latent demand of people that are searching for exactly what you provide. So I think searches, if you haven't already been kind of immersed in what that is, search is a really good first place to start. But I think even more importantly, and uh, what I'd love to touch on today as well, is really the the emerging nature of video and as it pertains to just small businesses, you know, a lot of people within the last, so I would say five years have, have really put up uh, a hold on video content, especially small business. Uh, and this is really emerging as something that's making an impact, uh, not only for fortune 100 companies, but for, you know, mom and pop financial advisors or even mid market financial advisors uh, across the U S and, and uh I agree with you on video. I mean, right now we're big on video. This is being recorded. And, and y'all being a leader in terms of what is out there that we see is old news. Y'all are working on some really great things inside the Googleplex. So with that being said, you kind of gave us a lead into that with video. But what are you predicting is going to be the future of digital marketing and connecting with prospects and clients uh, in the years ahead? So uh, I think um, it's going to be less technological advancements in video, but frankly, a different focus on what I would call creative excellence. So uh, there's been a lot of focus on you know, people creating video for the sake of just creating it. Um, from whether it's a TV spot or a piece of long form content, we have a, a kind of renewed focus internally here at Google to help advertise drive kind of what is the right video for their business again creative excellence and creative best practice because you know personally I think that we are so saturated with all that we see on social media on television wherever it may be the right content to the right person at the right time is really the key and uh, there are many pitfalls that happen there for advertisers and small businesses alike so I think really looking to the future it's about how can we create the best content for our business and disseminate that to the right audience? And, and there's so much data that advisors now have on clients and prospects, and you can target so specifically that you can you you can meet them at a point in their life and know so much more about them. Can you talk a little bit about that, the tools that are there for people um, and how advisors can utilize those to really get their message specifically to the point they, that they want it and to, away from the noise that's out there. Sure. So it, at a high level, you know, there's a couple of, I would say, publicly available tools that you can look to to get a better sense on kind of who your audience is, um, where your audience is geographically, things of that nature. There's a great tool called trends.google.com where you can better identify <clears throat> Excuse me. You can better identify 
certain search queries, where they're popping up geographically, um, again, the kind of demographic focus and if they're rising or falling year over year. So trends.google is an interesting tool to kind of see what's happening in your market. Um, what I would also recommend from a tool's perspective is just go ahead and create an AdWords account, uh, or excuse me, a Google Ads account as it's now known. Um, welcome rebrand there. <laughs> but create a Google Ads account. There's a tool within it called Keyword Planner where you can see a lot of these insights as well um, at a very local level. Uh, so I would recommend those two tools to kind of identify opportunity. And then really from a creative best practice standpoint, look, I mean, this stuff is hard. I mean, it, it's there's a reason why people pay creative agencies thousands and thousands of dollars to do these things. But I think that there are ways for small businesses to be scrappy. And I think it, within that scrappiness, a, a renewed importance on customer centricity, um, really knowing who your customer is, what are their fears? What are their concerns? How do we build trust? Uh, how can we m most importantly provide value to these customers? Because when people are creating content nowadays, I, I really see, oh, and, and unlike you, and I think you do an awesome job of this is- Thanks for that how plug. Can we, <laughs> how can we provide as much value to our customers and our fans and our following? Uh, and people don't spend enough time on that. And I think that is obviously what's going to cut through the clutter, clutter and what's going to make you successful. Um, but it's really just the thoughtfulness that's put into that. And I think that too many people see just the end result and they don't understand all of the thought and work and strategy that goes behind it. And they're like, well, I have an iPhone now. I can just film myself and, and deliver value. And, and then they wonder why they're not getting the results, right? And they're yeah. like, oh, the system doesn't work. But it's right. really a matter of the strategy and the thought that goes into why am I producing this video? What is the video about? And how am I going to get it to the audience that well, I want to see that video? And being, you're right, and being self-aware in the fact that, look, I am a financial advisor. I just started a YouTube channel. I wanted to start delivering value. It's not, hey, I created three videos and why am I not viral? <laughs> it's having the self-awareness and, and having the consistency to understand why you're you're doing something and you're investing in brand like it's the fundamental difference between the age-old question of should i invest in brand or like performance marketing and what i would really dictate is sales more so uh but you're investing in brand long term and you don't quit that after three videos you don't quit that after 20 videos it's something that you dedicate yourself to and a lot of people really undervalue it's consistency. You said it in, it's not a transaction. We're not selling a widget. We're selling a service and a relationship. And to have that brand is a consistent focus on providing value every single time. You mentioned YouTube. I, I want to talk about that. How do you see YouTube uh, kind of entering the marketing force? It already is. It's got a huge presence. But I, I think that there are a lot of financial advisors out there don't know that they can use YouTube as a marketing tool. And I would go and bet a lot of money that there's probably a lot of financial advisors that don't have a YouTube channel. So talk to me a little bit about YouTube. Look, I mean, YouTube is uh, the second largest search engine, uh, aside from a little known company. Um, a startup. It's not, <laughs> it's not only just cat videos. Look, this is a real platform where Fortune 100 companies are investing in and small advertisers alike. I think one of the cool things about YouTube is the specificity in understanding is your audience on the platform? And then number two, how can we target that audience effectively? There is 
there's an ability for a small business to go into a very local market, spend you know a reasonable amount of money, and have a pretty substantial impact to either website traffic or brand awareness. Um, again, the granularity of targeting really powers that impact. Uh, but I would also say, it, you know, from a creative standpoint, there is not much else that looks as good uh, when you look at other platforms, you know, namely LinkedIn, Instagram, um, the, the ad experience is a little bit more pleasant, I would say. And the way and means that clients get billed are a little different. Uh, you know, you only get billed on YouTube if someone watches, you know, your video, it doesn't skip your video. I think that's great. Um, and even regardless, you get some free branding out of it. So, you know, long story short, I mean, YouTube is more than ever orchestrated and engineered to actually drive impact rather than brand. Uh, we've put a lot of investment within the last, I would say, year, year and a half to basically coin this phrase YouTube for performance where, I mean, this is actually going to drive a tangible impact to your website traffic, to your lead inquiries. And, you know, granted, if, you're, if your website UX and everything is done the right way. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, YouTube is, shouldn't be underestimated as something that can actually deliver value. Again, it's about creative excellence. It's about how you target and having kind of a technical best practice there. Yeah, and, and I think that that's the point. Again, you, just setting up a YouTube uh, channel is not going to drive new business, but using YouTube over two years and having that be in SEO and everything of that nature and search, you're going to be ahead of the game than the others, and it's going to start building up exponentially there. Now, with video, OCR, AI, how is AI and bot technology impacting the way that Google looks at building products and then also delivering value to brands. I mean, or how are they using it today and how are they going to use it tomorrow? I think, you know, fundamentally, Google has placed big bets in AI and AR and, excuse me, AI and machine intelligence, rather. Uh, we've caked a lot of this technology into, honestly, our ad products within the last, I would say, five years. So it's driving things like bidding in terms of how keywords actually get bid into auction. So we have uh, a lot of solutions now that are automated, that are driven by machine learning, that can then optimize our advertisers' presence within the what we call the ad auction to be able to be seen to have an ad impression. So that's really driving kind of on the bidding side. On the creative side, we've had a lot of it effort into how can we serve the right ad to the right person at the right time? And we're now more and more seeing that some of these automated solutions using machine learning are outperforming what we've seen from a manual perspective now. So it's we're actually using this technology to tailor creative to the user itself. Um, that two examples there, and I would say a, a third major one is the way that we um, take data at scale from a signals perspective for users on the internet to really group them into classifiable taxonomies and buckets to say that if you're in market for, say, financial advisory or financial management, we can now more so kind of understand what are the groups of users on the internet that are in market. They, they show a commercial intent for these products or services. And from there, how can we effectively target them? So machine learning, AI are all kind of playing a part within really our platform as a whole. And it's only going to get uh, more progressive and more advanced there. 
I work with agencies every day and I kind of show them the light from uh, an, an AI and automation perspective because frankly, they're afraid. So it's going to get uh, more progressed. It's going to evolve. And, and so you're saying to me that the uh, that technology was smarter than the human in some aspects. Uh, but what you didn't say was that technology was going to replace the humans. And I think that <laughs> we have to be open-minded and accepting to say that technology will help us and it will do things better than us in certain ways. But they need you and the agency and other people within the firm to help understand what those results mean to the next tactical action that needs to, that needs to happen. And I think that can be a lesson learned for all industries across the board and yep. how AI can be helpful. Look, you have to stay nimble. I completely agree. You have to stay nimble. You have to keep looking at what's next. And you know what I tell people is that look, automation and AI—it's—it's it's going to eliminate parts of what you do every day. So, what can you do to? And again, specifically, I work with agencies. So, what can you do to uplevel what you're doing for a client? And instead of focusing on maybe some of the minutia that you may be doing day to day that requires manual work, what kind of higher level work? And maybe for a financial advisor, what kind of higher level work can you start to provide for your clients to add value? Uh, if the minutiae is taken care of. Deeper relationships, you know, yeah. ability of networking with your center of influences and ability of, you know, meeting with your clients deeper and getting more referrals. I mean, there's a lot, right? We get stuck in the weeds too often and we need to actually go and kind of uh, uh, prune the garden, I guess, or water the yeah. garden. And, and I think that that's what they can do. And so I've talked with many financial advisors. Um, and I've talked about marketing, I've talked about technology and the innovation that's going on. And when it comes to marketing, one of the biggest pushbacks I get is they say, if I go do Google ads uh, or, or um, AdWords or whatever, the rebranding, what's the rebranding? Is it Google ads? Yeah. Google ads. If <laughs> really, I did Google, really yeah, really, <laughs> really took a, that was a whole focus group of about a year to figure that one out. Um, but if I go do Google ads and then you and then I go and I create content on my website and then I try to promote it, for instance, I go and search best financial advice for retirement, I get 155 million results. And so it's a matter of like, this is a, a saturated, crowded, noisy area. How can I get heard when I'm a small financial advisor? I don't have the marketing budgets of the PNCs and the chases to, to bid up on those. So that's been a conversation I've had and given you have that skill set. How yeah. can advisors kind of sift through that noise and be heard and be seen? So I think that's a little bit of a two-part question. I would say, listen, the David versus Goliath type scenario where you're going after the big boys, you're bidding on their keywords plausibly, you're playing in their space. You really have to understand, obviously, what is your value add? What is your competitive differentiator? And accentuate that you know, within ad copy specifically. But I think number one is you need to triple down on brand. Uh, and that is content on you know, a really nicely done website. That is going after platforms that may be under leveraged or underutilized by the big boys. So to say that, um, you know, People aren't necessarily playing ubiquitously on YouTube yet. I mean, it's still undervalued as a platform. There's still a lot of white space to play there. So how can you be scrappy? How can you be executing strategies and tactics that the big boys aren't nimble enough to do, especially at a local level? Can you speak to your consumers at a local level? I would be much more prone to responding emotionally to um, a YouTube video that's focused on my 
my marketplace and the concerns of my local area than you know a large form of content from a, a, a big box financial advisory. So it's really being customer centric and it's also being super self-aware to understand really what are your differentiators? Is it how well you perform for your clients? Is it the type of one-to-one care that you provide? Like, let's be super self-aware and understanding that and accentuate that and execute that with strategies and tactics that may be a little bit out of the box. Um, because like you said, from a search perspective, you may or may not be able to compete with the PNCs and the big boys. Um, but you can do things very tactically and very smartly that quite plausibly, they'll be slow at doing. Um, so you can really fit in and speak well there. You know, a few things I took away from just that is one, you got to be creative and this takes time, right? You have to be thoughtful. Again, you have to be thoughtful, self-aware in your approach. And if you don't have that skill set, the best uh, symbol of a leader is one that says, I don't have the skill set. I'm going to go find someone that does. Um, and whether that's an agency or an individual, that's one to use all these tools that are out there now to get your brand heard. But the second thing I really loved was the idea of local, right? That you know, everybody says, when you go into a room of financial advisors, you say, what's your competitive advantage? You say, I'm local. And then and, and you ask everybody else, is anybody else local as their competitive advantage? And everybody raises their hand. And that's yeah. so true. But the people that are local in Kansas City, Missouri versus the people that are local in Atlanta, Georgia versus the people that are local in Denver, Colorado, you can have a you can have an advantage. Talk to those local people the way yeah. that you know they want to be talked to. And that's that's something that's a scrappy way to be different and be directed. Yeah. And I think to to kind of dig deeper into that, look, look, like the market is the market. If you're good, you're gonna win. Mm-hmm. Right. And I don't necessarily think all financial advisors should be winning. I think the cream will rise to the top, right? And if you have the assets and the credibility and the trust and the previous performance to kind of warrant uh, a following and that business, I mean, I think that's going to shine through. And you can create collateral. You can create content to speak to that and to build trust and to showcase your ability. So I, I think now more than ever within our marketplace, it's like, hey, the market is the market. I mean, you're a Ability is going to be more clearly seen than ever with Yelp, with you know the million other kind of review aggregators. So it's about how can you showcase what you do and give the best possible presentation of yourself more broadly. Right, and, and the cream right, uh, right the the cream of the crop rising to the top, um, or uh, for financial advisors, really is the truth. Especially like you said, with like the Yelps of the world that are coming out, and and the ability and the access to information, the ability of actually having a say. More and more yeah. people, if you're not doing things the right way. People are going to find out very quickly now, and that's an advantage for the people that are doing it the right way because that's marketing without you having to market or pay a dollar for it. That's the type of marketing. Get your raving fans to talk about you, and you can't do testimonials, but they can talk about you to their friends and everything of that nature out of your control. Absolutely. all right, let's let's uh, let's move into the the final question here before we get into the the my cheesy game buy or sell uh, and uh, is. This digital ecosystem, when it comes to digital marketing, you know, firms have to think about so much stuff, SEO, SEM, AdWords, ad, you know, whatever it may be, um, content marketing, paid ad, nurturing campaigns, landing pages, the list goes on and on. And it's no wonder why so many advisors shy away from it, right? Uh, because it's not their forte. It's not the way it's, and it's a ton to digest. But 
What do you have to say to those that feel overwhelmed about the amount of work that goes into building a strong digital presence? And before I let you talk, because I can imagine an advisor listening to this episode right now and being like, wow, that is a lot. That is a lot. Let me re-listen to that all. Uh, And you know what? I'm just going to go back to buying or selling my stocks. Like, I'm good. So what do you tell that advisor to help them get over the hump to progress their firm there? Yeah, I mean, it, look, it's there's there's so many things that can be done. It's often very obscure as to how you get started, or at least prioritization of, of what you should do. Um, you know, I think it all starts fundamentally with a website. Like, we shouldn't even be talking about paid digital media or Instagram ads or Google ads specifically if uh, your website isn't up to up to snuff. Um, I, I really think that. Putting in your work, either from an investment standpoint, paying a third party, uh, or even just you spending the time to put thoughtful content in a very aesthetically pleasing way on a website is the most undervalued thing that there is. Uh, it's it's square one. And I think, honestly, it's like the easiest thing to focus on because it's such a singular kind of element in, in, your, in your sphere. So I would really, really stress to people that if your website looks like MS-DOS, if it looks like you're in 1998 and, and you, it, you really need to take a look at it because um, that is the most singular lever to success when we're talking about growing your presence online. Okay, so you say, you're, my website's great, Josh, that's fine. I would say another thing from a prioritization perspective is, okay, we have a great website. Now it's really about understanding, is our content strategy uh is really sufficient for our customer. I mean, ask people, like ask your customers, what do you wish you would have known from me before, before we started? Um, wh- what would have made you feel more comfortable kind of approaching a relationship to me? Or what would b- provide you value when you're my customer, number one, but also before you were my customer? It's like really, really dig in with your customers to understand uh, what's a value? Because if you don't ask these things, and often you're surprised by the answers, but if you don't ask these things, you don't know. So again, customer centricity there. And then thirdly, after all those fundamentals are taken care of, yeah, like let's start to get your message out there. And you know, I would say that get a partner, get a freelancer or a contractor if your budget is a little low. I mean, oftentimes at a local level, you can get a contractor to do a lot of this paid media that we've been talking about on YouTube and Google search for a pretty reasonable amount and they can get you started. Um, so I really think that you need to hark on the fundamentals, especially the small small to medium sized business. Make sure your website is the best it possibly can be. And then make sure your content is really fitting in well with what people need. I love that. That's a three-step process that anybody can implement like right away. And I think that uh, having a people invest so much time into the look of their actual office, but they forget about their digital storefront. And no matter whether you grow by referrals or you grow through ad marketing or whatever it may be, people go to your website. And if you have a bad one, that's a bad first impression. And first impressions matter a lot, a lot. And uh, you're, you're you're bringing someone who could be quite plausibly a very important piece of your life, piece of your professional life, basically to your home and your home is in disarray. It's not a good look. And you know, it's 20, almost 2019 now. Like we all need to do better from a website perspective because I still see at scale, the big differentiator is quality. 
And especially if your website's not mobile friendly, everybody's going to your website on their phone. If you have to scroll in and zoom in to get to that, there's an issue. But I also like the idea of the, of the content and, and just asking your clients, right? We always wonder, and a lot of people with technology, a lot of advisors say, my clients don't want it. They want the relationship. And I say, well, have you asked them? And they say, <laughs> exactly. no. And I said, well, do you know how they communicate with their friends and family on a daily basis and other service providers? Are you communicating yeah. with them that way? And they're not. And so I think that's good. And then, you know, taking it one step at a time. I love that. Just just focus on one little thing. Like, get your word out yeah. there and then evolve We're from there. We're all busy. We all have things to do. Uh, and Matt, you, you made me think of something in terms of mobile really quickly. Um, it's really interesting. I, I dug into some data uh, before we did, we talked today. And, like, I'm looking at the splits between desktop traffic and mobile traffic when we're talking about financial planning and management specifically. I mean, mobile is is a good chunk of the pie. I would say it, I think it was around 38% total um, total traffic to websites within this category. Honestly, desktop is still there. So That's that interesting. Yeah, it's people are sitting down at their desks still uh, to do this stuff, and it's kind of like, hey, I need to dig in. I need to do my homework type feel. Um, so that's definitely still present. You know, that is an interesting point because I'll go to my mobile if I'm wor- if I'm trying to find something out on on something that doesn't matter that much, right? Like Uber Eats or you know, I'll, I'll do it. I'll go to a website on just like an article, right? Doesn't matter. But when it comes to yeah. my financial situation, that's a really great stat. When it comes to my financial situation, I need to dig in and I need to spend some time and see everything laid out. And they still yeah. want to go to the uh, to your regular website. Um, and that goes to some people that are saying that they're investing in mobile apps for their for their clients. And and so they they still need client portals. You still need to be able to communicate with them uh, that yeah. way as well. That's a really interesting stat. I think. And I think lastly, the takeaway there is let that kind of traffic split dictate the type of content that you create as well. Because if that stat was 80% mobile, my recommendation for small businesses to create content would be a lot different than 40% mobile. Mm -hmm. So again, what that impact is, I mean, long form content is key. Uh, Having a really responsive uh, responsive site design, especially for larger screens is key. Um, So there's like a few kind of insights that you can take away from that. Uh, But those little stats impact massively for kind of your go to market. I mean, right there, the advisor just got a strategy based off of one simple stat, the amount of data that Google has and can provide. And we all love numbers in the advisory world. So, I mean, they can dig in for days. Um, Speaking of numbers and 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 financial advisors, we're going to go into buy and sell. Buy or sell is just a uh, cheesy rendition of trying to figure out how to loop in financial advisor terminology into this podcast, given we're bridging the gap between technology, innovation, marketing, et cetera, with, uh, with financial advisors, helping them be better and, and advance their firm more. So I'm going to give you a statement and I'm going to say buy or sell. You tell me what you're doing. If you're buying or selling it and you can give us a minute, we'll talk about each of them for a minute. We got four of them and we'll see whether you're a bull or a bear and we'll go from there. Sound good? Sounds good. All right. First one, buy or sell. Digital marketing will be dominated by platforms not owned by Google or Facebook 10 years from now. (laughs) Are you going to be looking for a new job? This fundamentally goes against my vested interests. Um, (laughs) Listen, I'm going to... Uh, I'm actually, I'm going to buy that. Well, no, so I'm not actually going to buy it. I, the word dominated is tripping me up here. I'm going to sell that, but I'm going to sell it with a caveat of the industry is going to splinter even more so 
marketing technology and ad technology is only going to become, um, it's only going to grow more. So I think that you'll see an emergence of, like we've seen within the last five years, more companies fitting into that overall value proposition to either look at, you know, from an attribution perspective, from a creative perspective, there's going to be things that supplement these core platforms. So I would say digital marketing will, um, there'll be a lot more competitors enter, there'll be a lot more kind of supplementary firms enter, but dominated, I think that, I think that Google's in a good spot. There you go. That's a safe, that's a safe bet right there. <laughs> that's a safe bet. And you got like the companies like down here in Atlanta with Terminus and account-based marketing, and then you got yes. all those types of companies coming up that are gonna kind of, you know, splinter it a little bit more. All right, buy or sell. A financial advisory firm can be successful running their own digital marketing strategy internally. If they have Josh Wilner on their marketing team. <laughs> I will vouch for that. I will vouch for that given we work together. <laughs> um, no, listen, seriously, I think that yes, I, I buy that. Um, I think that it takes work. Like there's no doubt about it. Like these things take time, these things take work. Uh, I've seen it done successfully. So yes, I buy that. Uh, you just got to put in the sweat equity. All right, I agree. I agree. If you bring in the people or you do it yourself, um, it's all a matter of time. Time gets yep. you the results. All right, buy or sell. Five years from now, greater than 70% of content that is consumed will be done via video. Oh, I'm so bullish on that. Yeah, absolutely. Buying, buying backing up the truck to that one? <laughs> I just bought 100% of the company. Uh, we, we're gonna load it up. Yeah, video is not going anywhere. Video, I mean, especially with voice uh, and where voice is going, yes, do you 100,000%. Do you see video and voice combining to where I'm gonna be, I mean, and I, I, I assume so with VR, where I can ask a video my question as opposed, and Alexa actually being a real person giving me the answer. Uh, or it being a figure of an imagination, sure. but is that, I mean, are we seeing that come where they can show us and visualize and train us via us asking a question and they can train us on video? Yeah. I mean, look, we, the technology is here. Like that is, that is today. Yeah. Um, if you've seen kind of the new Google home that just came out, which is basically a heads up display, it's a screen and it's voice. Um, like that's the next logical progression. We have that technology. And I think that as we stop eventually as we stop actually entering things into our phones with our hands like voices voice is it and then what is the answer to voice from an ad collateral ad copy perspective it's it's video like it's not you know i would i would hesitate to say it's not text ads but they will have a presence but video is really the big bet mm -hmm. Just think about that when you ask Alexa something and they say, first, I want to give you a sponsored ad uh, like before you get your answer back from Google. I mean, that could happen. It's like the Pandora voice. Um, all right, buy or sell. Financial advisors should invest more time into their own YouTube channel as opposed to a blog on their website. Yes. Again, it goes to, I buy that. It's like, it's, it's, it's doubling, tripling down on video content because Look, there's a place for long form, uh, long form uh, text, but video, sight, sound, emotion, um, you can play with it so much more. Yes, a thousand times video, but it's often more hard to, as you well know, more hard to produce. It's slower, um, and that's that's really where you have to look internally and say, okay, what do I need to do to invest in these types of behaviors? Like, do I need a mini studio? 
can I just grab a DLSR, DL, DSLR for my house or my office and start cranking out content every day? A lot of times people underestimate the, I would say the setup and the infrastructure that, that is involved. But once you have that down, it gets a lot easier. Mm -hmm. um, so look at the infrastructure and 100% invest in video if, if I had, could split my time. Yeah, video just allows you to create a better relationship in the communication via the, the feel and see and everything of that nature, the emotions there. All right, yep. I'm gonna give you 90 seconds and I want you to give the listeners something that they can really execute on today to push their firm forward and to help you out, I'll give you just a kind of a leading question. You can take it for what it's worth or you can go a completely different direction. What is the one thing that advisors can do today that will elevate their digital presence to their target markets? Well, I think advisors need to double and triple and quadruple down on brand. They need to understand over a 30-year period what real value-driven content looks like and how much it impacts their overall brand. And secondarily, when they're doing these activities, they need to be doing the performance side of it. They need to be doing the lead gen forms. They need to be out there asking for business in the right ways and targeting the right customers. But I really think it's important, especially within this vertical, for people to triple down on humanizing themselves online, whether that's through your website, whether that's through your long form video content, your live Q and A's on YouTube, you need to humanize yourself and you need to build trust. And over a 30 year period, that is, absolutely crushing it, especially on a local level. So yes, do the right things from a performance marketing perspective, but really know your customer, know yourself, and create content that goes along with it, and you're gonna win. And, and do the right thing for your clients, and you're gonna absolutely crush it. I love it, I love it. And this conversation was inspiring, so that's why I wrote a little bit of a longer closing thought. But my closing thought is this, Google is a household name. They stormed onto the scene by providing us ease of access to information. No longer did we need to go to an encyclopedia to find out who, the fa who founded General Electric. Rather, we type it into that simple-looking search bar on the minimalistic website of Google.com. We gained trust in Google very quickly. But why? It was immediate satisfaction at a point of need. We had a question. They provided us an answer. And within seconds, we were satisfied, never having to scroll to a second page. Confidence is built via convenience. It's a matter of giving us answers to our questions when we want them and via the medium we want to access them. As financial advisors, we can learn something from Google. Data and technology have made it easier for us to meet our clients at a point of need and even predict that point of need sooner. And we have access to more information on our clients than ever before. Use that to enhance the experience of relatability and personable form of communication with each distinct client. Google provided ease of access. This created confidence. We, as financial advisors, can learn from something from Google in the form of providing ease of access to their advisor. But even more so, personal touch and interactions based on each client and their situation. Technology can help us with this, but it won't fully solve it. It's a collective effort between firms changing their mindset and integrating technology deeper into their strategic plans, and then the tech. Josh, thank you so much for taking some time to join us on Bridging the Gap. And to all the listeners out there, I appreciate you taking some time to hear what we had to say, and I look forward to having you join us again next week. 